Father in heaven, we come before your throne of grace this morning. We thank you, Lord, for your presence with us throughout this week. We thank you, Lord, for many answered prayers, as we mentioned on Wednesday uh, in our prayer meeting following the CFG. And we pray that we could get many more to, to join us, to lift up our hearts and hands to thee, the living God, in you hear our prayers as we read in the book of Revelation that your prayers ascend to your throne and they are kept in the, in the censer, in the incense holder on the throne, on the altar of incense, Lord. You keep them. You are mindful of your people as they cry out to you. Bless the word now. Be with us and be our teacher, for we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> so in the same frame of mind, in the same theme, <clears throat> in studying the book of Revelation, my mind went to the book of Daniel, because the book of Daniel gives so much uh, input into the book of Revelation and demonstrates that the book of prophecy in Revelation, which is a book of prophecy, John the Apostle said, this is a prophecy. This is a foretelling of the will of God or a telling of the will of God, present and future. I'd like to turn to Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7. In the first year of Belshazzar, the king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head upon his bed. And then he wrote the dream and told the sum of matters. Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night and beheld the four winds of the heaven strove upon the great sea. And four great beasts came up. <clears throat> And behold, another beast, a second like to a bear, and it raised up itself on the side, on one side, and it had three ribs in the mouth of it between the teeth of it, and they said unto it, Arise, <coughs> devour much flesh. After this I beheld, and lo, another like a leopard, which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl. The beast had also four heads. Dominion was given to it. After this I saw in night visions, and behold a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible and strong exceedingly, and it had great iron teeth. It devoured and brake in pieces and stamped the residue of the feet with the feet of it, and it was diverse or different from all the other beasts that were before, and it had ten horns. I considered the horns, and behold, there came among them another little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, in his horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things. 
I beheld till the thrones were cast down, and the Ancient of Days did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like unto pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth before him. Thousands, thousand thousands ministered unto him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The judgment was set, and the book, books were opened. I beheld then, because of the voice of the great words which the, the horn spake, that the little horn I believe it means, because it's going back to the previous verse, verses on this particular great speeches. I beheld till the, the, the beast was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. And as concerning the rest of the beasts, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom shall not be destroyed. I'd like to stop reading here. It's a long, longer chapter, but I think it captures the, the, the main themes of this chapter, and it also captures themes that have already been introduced earlier in the book. One thing uh, I'd just like to go back to, the book of Daniel gives some context for those that are not familiar with the context. Daniel, if you heard before or understood before, was one of the captives that were taken shortly after the, um, the reign of Josiah. If you remember, Josiah was the good king. We had a lesson on that. He started reigning at the age of eight. And in short series after that, two or three other kings um, ruled until eventually um, the Babylonian hordes came to Jerusalem. They took captive uh, many of the, uh, uh, most, if, if, if you will, of the uh, people of Jerusalem and Judah and um, took them back to Babylon, a long trek. Now, this was not unexpected. This was prophesied by Jeremiah the prophet for 40 years. He was a prophet prophesying that this was going to come to happen, telling the people of Judah to repent or else. If you go back into the book of Isaiah, Isaiah prophesies of, of the, the Babylonian kingdom. Uh, Isaiah also prophesied the other captivity was the northern kingdom of all the tribes that gave themselves over to idolatry, the kings of Israel, if you will. And, and uh, 
he, he prophesied that they will also be taken away captive and scattered throughout Assyria by the Assyrians. Because of their idolatry, their disobedience, their leaving of God, they were scattered and replaced with some kind of hybrid uh, people where they intermarried with the, the locals there of, of Canaan and became um, a different faith, if you will, than the Jews. They had very strange beliefs and um, that left a hundred years later where Judah had not learned the lesson of what happened in northern Israel. Jeremiah was prophesying that they would be taken away. So we, here we have Daniel writing in Babylon. He was one of the eunuchs, along with the Babylonian names given to the other three, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel was given the name Belteshazzar, not to be confused with Belshazzar, the emperor or the king of Persia. And in the book of Daniel, we have, um, going from chapter 1, the immediate um, attempts by the Babylonian empire, the king there, to indoctrinate to, if you will, brainwash or indoctrinate these uh, Jewish captives uh, by offering them all the delicacies of the Babylonian uh, foods and teaching them in the ways of the Babylonian philosophy. Uh, and yet we see that these four were, were noted for resisting this indoctrination, this conversion to their ways, and they paid for it dearly. At least it seemed to be. We know the story of in the in in chapter three, how Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego um, were cast into the fiery, fiery furnace because they refused to bow down to the statue that that King Nebuchadnezzar made, probably after the template that he had in his dream in chapter two, and they refused to bow down to him, and they were cast into the fiery furnace. And they were marveling as they watched them in the fiery furnace that nothing, no fire, no flame touched them. And they saw in the fiery furnace this one that said was like unto the Son of God. So we can see that they were protected by God and they came out without any, any stench of smoke on them and, and they were elevated and and. And, and, and exalted by the king. We get the same thing in chapter 6, or similar thing in chapter 6 with Daniel when he was tested, when he was told to not pray to any other god but to the god that, of, of the Babylonians. And uh, he was caught, spies came around, they found him uh, praying with his windows open towards Jerusalem, and he was also caught, and he was thrown into the lion's den. And we know what the story was there with Darius, who knew he was a good man. He, he was searching all night. Was there anything in the law of the Medes and the Persians that could, rem, that could break the, 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 the decree that he had already made that, that Daniel would have to go into, into the lion's den? In the morning he came and he, to see what happened to Daniel, and he was pleasantly surprised and, and jovial and jubilant that he was spared. And then he said that anyone... Everyone now should, should fear 
and, and, and uh, um, I forget the other word that used, fear this God of, of Daniel. He made it a, basically a, a national uh, decree that they should fear and worship this God of Daniel. It's marvelous that in this face of adversity, in the face of pure uh, tragedy and death, these four refused to bow the knee to any other God than Jehovah. On the other hand, the contrast is in chapter 4 and 5, the story of the trial of Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar, the, 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 the king that overtook the Babylonian Empire, where they were both proud and arrogant. They both rejected the God of Israel, of Daniel, and make a long story short, uh, God, you know, Daniel was walking on the... On, his, on the walls of his, of his uh, fortress city, Babylon, and uh, he was thinking of, oh, this Babylon, look how beautiful it is, look how this Babylon is that I, my hands have made. And because he was so proud and so, so arrogant, God made him and turned him into a beast, essentially. He had to go on his all fours, he'd have the dew of heaven on his back, and for seven years... He acted like a madman. And then after seven years, he realized that his, the error of his way, the, the torment and the punishment that came upon him, that he finally acknowledged that he was not only the God of heaven, but he was the God of all mankind. And he was restored. When the Persians came in and overtook Babylon, Belshazzar was in a similar situation. But he would not listen. He would reject. He was, uh, uh, I, I believe it was Nebuchadnezzar's grandson. He didn't learn. And that was, Daniel said in his, in, in his book, uh, chapter 5, that you didn't learn from what happened to your grandpa. You know, you, you lifted yourself up. You thought you were somebody. You thought you, you rejected this God. And in the end, he saw the writing on the wall. You, see, you hear that the, the phrase, the writing on the wall? He saw... Many, many tekel uparzin. And he said, you have been examined and your works have been found wanting. And judgment was cast upon uh, Belshazzar. And in that night, he was slain. Now, chapter 7 of Daniel. Actually, if you, if you read the first verse again, actually it says, in the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon... Daniel had a dream and visions of his head upon his bed, and he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matters. So this actually happened at the end of chapter 4 and in, in somewhere in the beginning of chapter 5, that Daniel had this dream. For whatever reason, the, the uh, compilers of, of, the, uh, of the Bible and the Jewish uh, 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 scriptures decided to put this after Daniel chapter 6. Mainly because I think the first six chapters talked about the history of the nation of Israel or Judah in Babylon. But what Daniel chapter 7 is all about is not about the past. It's about the future. And in our teachings in Revelation... Um, the, the, John, the, the disciple, 
the apostle, we believe he was, uh, said this is, was told, this is by Christ himself. We're going to tell, I'm going to tell you about things that have happened in the past, in the present, are happening, and will be in the future. And this is exactly what Daniel was now hearing. The things that happened in the past he experienced, he experienced the victories he had in, uh, in God because of his obedience and faith, his unmoving, uncompromising stand in faith. And now God has given him these visions. In chapter 2 of Daniel, God, um, the, the, the Nebuchadnezzar had a dream and it maybe had been given to him by God. He had a dream, he had a vision, or a dream, should I say. And he asked, who can interpret this dream? Can his wizards and magicians and sorcerers, can they, the wise men, can they interpret this dream for him? None of them could, and he threatened them that they couldn't, that would be the end of them. And then Daniel was found, and Daniel comes in and he gives them uh, uh, the explanation. Even though it wasn't revealed to him, that was the miraculous part. Even though it wasn't revealed to him, Daniel said, you, and he, he, he dreamed about this image that had a head of gold, a chest and arms of silver, uh, brass thighs and, and belly, and then the legs which were iron and, and toes uh, mixed with clay. And what do these things mean? And Daniel explained to him, he says, you, Nebuchadnezzar, are this head of gold. You are this, you are this, I'm just paraphrasing, you are this empire which is made of gold, pure. And then following that, there'll become an inferior kingdom to you which is made of silver, whose arms and chest are made of silver, which is an inferior metal. An inferior kingdom will come after you. And this was turned out to be Belshazzar, the Persians, and then the Medes. The two arms, meaning that there's the Persians and the Medes. This was prophesied before it happened. It's incredible. Some people try to, to uh, um, put that down and say, oh, da this, the book of Daniel is a false, is really a, a fake. It was actually written after the fact. And there are so many things that completely, um, um, how do you say, refute that. I won't go there now, but, but this was the prophecy by Daniel. Because this happened when Daniel was still alive. And, and there was no fake that. Daniel records his life as it was before all these kings. And he says, the second kingdom that will come will be this kingdom of silver which is the Persians, inferior. The third kingdom that will come after, after Nebuchadnezzar, or the second after him, would be the, the kingdom of the Greeks, this, this kingdom that had bronze, a bronze belly and thighs. Again, a metal less, more inferior than the gold. And then the last kingdom was another one that Daniel really feared and dreaded in, his, in, in, um, in this chapter, at least, where it was a kingdom that was, the legs were of iron and mixed with miry clay. We, we know from history now, looking back, 
that it was Rome. And in this chapter, we will see it is the Roman Empire that followed. What it says also in this image is that the more you go from having one head or one ruler, and then you go into a, from, from, from this, uh, if you will, monarchy to divided rulership, or ruler or reign or leadership, the weaker the kingdom becomes. When you go from this monarch, the one head, versus the two heads in Media Persia, and then the four we will learn later in this chapter who they are, and then to the ten toes of the feet and the miry clay, which is what Rome basically had was a democracy, quote-unquote, it became weaker and weaker. It doesn't mean that Rome was weak from the sense of, of military might. But we saw, you will see, if you go back into history, Rome also eventually disintegrated. What we have now is a repetition in different words, in different images of what Nebuchadnezzar had. That was Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Now this is Daniel's vision that he had. He had a dream and visions of his head upon his bed and he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matter. So Daniel could write in detail what the dream was. Now, this is important to us. This is important, number one, to realize that God is the writer of history, not man. God is the writer of history. It is his story. And God puts authorities into place. It says in, in, in Romans chapter 13 that the, 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 the rulers that are, the powers that are, are ordained of God. And we are to uh, respect these powers. We need to be submissive to these powers, regardless if they're evil or good, unless it violates the law of God. And we saw that in Daniel, in chapter 3 and chapter 6, unless it violates the word of God. Now, we can appeal to Caesar, as Paul did. And in chapter 1, the, 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 the four eunuchs, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, appealed to their keeper, Arioch, I think his name was, and he let them eat vegetables and, and uh, uh, grains and whatever it was instead of eating the, the defiled meats that were uh, unlawful for them to eat. And they said, in 10 days we'll prove to you that we will be healthier than anybody else. And it so happened to be. By, by believing and having faith and trust in God, they proved that their God is greatest. And we now have, in, in this chapter, Daniel with this vision of them, um, of, of the dreams that he had, and God speaking to him, he said, he saw in the night vision, not vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven strove upon the great sea. Now, in, in this scripture, when we see the word the great sea or the sea, in many cases it refers not to the water in the ocean 
or in the seas like the Mediterranean and Galilee, it actually refers to humanity, the sea of humanity. And you can get that in, in um, Jesus' parables. In Jesus' parables, he talks about the fishermen that cast their net into the sea and they brought out of that, out of that sea uh, good fishes and bad. He was using that as a metaphor that humanity will be, um, if you will, judged. The good will be, will be kept and the bad will be thrown back into the sea of humanity and in, in eventually it will be into the lake of fire. But then um, also we see a parallel passage which I will refer to down in, in a few minutes as we see what uh, Daniel is prophesying concerning these four great beasts. And it says, And the four winds of heaven strove upon the great sea. There was some kind of a struggle. There was some kind of a, a, a turbulence going on in this sea. And it is believed that this is speaking about God striving with men. As, as, as uh, he said to Noah, I will no longer strive with you. I will no longer strive with this, with this um, generation whose imagination is continually evil before me. And he brought in the flood and destroyed mankind then except for Noah and his families. And then he said, and then the four beasts came out from the sea. Diverse one from another. They were all different one from another. The first was like a lion and he had eagle's wings. Well, this is just a parallel to chapter 2. The first was Babylon. Uh, they've even preserved, if you go to museums, I forget which museums in the world, maybe Germany, whatever, they have the original gates, some of that was preserved, of the gates of the winged lions as you enter the city of Babylon. It's there. It's history. No one can dispute it or deny it. And this is certainly speaking of the Babylonian kingdom, the first beast. And then he said, but he had wings that were plucked. In other words, um, probably meaning that he would no longer, he would not exist, he would not have power anymore because wings were meant for, for flying. I don't know why the wings, but they were plucked off and it was lifted up from the earth and made to stand up on the feet as a man and a man's heart was given to it. Was he saying that Nebuchadnezzar became a beast? He became a beast because he rejected, he thought he was God. He thought he was the one that did everything that was the sovereign Lord of, of the world, of the earth. And he was, this beast was personalized into a man and his man, he, he had a heart. Um, just think about that for a minute. We see many in history, we see many in history that were, have often been called animals and beasts and demons because of the atrocities that they have committed. We've seen that throughout just the World War II. Hitler, Stalin, uh, later on Pol Pot in Cambodia, later on in, in, or maybe before that in China, 
the, all the atrocities of hundreds of millions of people that have been killed and slaughtered in the name of pride, in the name of uh, arrogancy, in thinking that they are it. We know that that comes from our fa- the, the father of lies, not our father, the father of lies, the devil himself. Lucifer, in chapter 14 of Isaiah, he says, I will ascend unto the stars. I will be like the, the Most High God. I will, I will, I will. And God says, you won't. And he cast him down to the earth. And he ended up in Eden. And Jesus said to his disciples, when he saw his disciples coming back from the missions, healing, preaching the gospel, they rejoiced that they could cast out these devils and demons. And what did Jesus say? Rejoice not that you can do these things, but rather that your names are written in the book of life. And then in a reflection, perhaps, he said, I beheld Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Dear ones, we live in a world that is full of evil. As sugar-coated it may seem, as, 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 as uh, covert as it is, We live in a world of evil. And there are demons and the devil is is at work. He's having a heyday with this world. But the book of Revelation and the book of Daniel is not a book of gloom. It's not a book of dooms for the believer. It's a hope. It's a joy. It's a looking forward to. Victory. Just as Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and Daniel... Where it thought it was their end, it was their demise, it was their destruction. God came through and plucked them out of the fiery furnace. God came through and shut the mouths of the lions. This is a book of hope. Behold another beast, a second like, verse 5. Like unto a bear, and it raised itself up on one side, and it had three ribs in its mouth, and between the teeth of it, and they said unto it, Arise, devour much flesh. The Persians were also brutal. They rose and devoured much flesh. And the, the, perhaps the understanding of this verse that he was a bear, sort of not very typical uh, uh, of an animal to, make, to, to, to picture as a regal type of an animal but remember the kingdoms were more inferior as you go down history so the bear was inferior to the majestic lion and this bear was said to have three ribs in its mouth perhaps um, incorporating the Medo the Persian and the Babylonian Empire which it it, it, uh, engulfed if you will taking over from the Babylonians and then in, in, in a dual reign with uh, Cyrus, who is mentioned in the Bible. Cyrus, who was prophesied by Isaiah a hundred years before. Cyrus was the, was the Mede and Darius was the Persian. And they came and it says here, they arose and devoured much flesh. And this happened during the lifetime of Daniel. He's writing about it. It was also the empire 
or the kingdom that was there when they released the captives to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild its walls. Just keep on reading. Chapter 9, Daniel's already beginning to work on this when he reads the book of Jeremiah and he realizes, God, it's, it's, it's been 70 years. It's been 70 years since we were, were, have been captive here. I, I came 70 years ago and now you said that after 70 years we're going to be re- released. The captivity will be over. And he's pleaded with God. Lord, be righteous, not be like, do righteously as you have promised. Fulfill your word. I'm saying this, I'm pleading because you promised and you said it will happen. And I trust your promises. This is a hope. This is the hope that Daniel had because he believed in God. Hope that is not seen is hope. Hope that is seen is not hope, Romans 8 says. He hasn't seen it, but he believes the word. Going back to verse 6 now. The Persian Empire did end, and it ended in a very miraculous way. A very miraculous way. I won't go into it now, but the way they engineered the entrance into the city, the Persians, should I say. And this I beheld, and lo, another, like a leopard, had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl. The beast had also four heads, and dominion was given to it. So this nation of Persia that entered Babylon, this impregnable city, in a very miraculous way, their end is coming. The end is going to be uh, performed by another nation who was called the leopard here with four heads and had four wings on its back as a, as a fowl, as a bird and dominion, power was given to this beast. Which one came after Persia? We all know this, don't we? Greece, Macedonia. The Greeks came, the Macedonians, that that empire led by Alexander the Great. And the reason he was given the name or the the, the beast was given the the, the leopard um, title was he was fast. We think of cheetahs are fast, the leopards are fast too. And the way in which Alexander maneuvered through North Africa, through Europe, and then through down to India... In a matter of 10 years, he had completely conquered everything. He had nothing else to conquer in 10 years. The the Persian Empire lasted for about 200 years. Alexander the Great came in about 326 uh, BC. And within a matter of 10 years... He had conquered all of the known kingdoms. You know, there's an interesting, interesting um, story, account, if you will. If you read the book of Antiquities by um, Josephus, 
Josephus was a Jew who at the time of, of the siege of, of Jerusalem, when the Roman armies came in, this fourth beast came in, they sieged Jerusalem. And for th- about three years, the, na- the, the, the city of Jerusalem was under siege and famine and death and, and atrocities that were happening in that city. When the Romans came, Josephus switched sides. He became a member of the Roman armies. He spared his life, but he wrote many articles which we would not have if, if he hadn't written them that spanned in that time between about 400 BC and the coming of Christ. In that time when there was no voice of the prophets, if you will, uh, at least given in the Bible that we have. And what he said was this, was astounding to me. I'm not saying it's 100% accurate, but this is what he wrote. Together with the, the other books that he wrote about the Maccabees, which is, has been handed down throughout the ages, how the Maccabees revolted uh, uh, during the time of Antiochus Epiphanes. And he wrote this about Alexander the Great. He said, when Alexander the Great came to Tyre when he was conquering and and destroying this Persian army, he came to Tyre and he was in the the process of of destroying Tyre and and, and subjugating them. And he sent messages to Jerusalem, to the high priest, to provide them with provisions of sorts. Doesn't say exactly what kind. And Jadua, the high priest, sent a letter back to Alexander the Great and said, excuse me, uh, Lord, but we, I can't do that. I made a promise to Darius. I made an oath to Darius the Persian king that I would not arm the, your enemies and I, can't, I cannot send you these provisions. When Alexander heard that, he said, when I'm finished with Tyre, we have a reckoning, I'm going to come to Jerusalem and I'm going to do to you da-da-da. It is said that when he did finish with Tyre and he did come to Jerusalem and under these threats, the Jewish priests were conferring, what do we do? We're doomed, We're we're going to be destroyed. They said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to meet him. We're going to get the people to all dress in white. The priests will come out with their priestly garbs, their habits, and we'll meet him in the field. And when that happened, Alexander saw this. And his generals and and, and warriors said, now, we can now decimate them, we can destroy them. Alexander said, no. We're not going to. When he saw them, and the priest had holiness unto the Lord on his, uh, uh, the mitre on his, uh, under his cap, and he saw this image, he said, I'm not going to do that. He believes that he had himself a dream, a vision, a long time ago, where he saw something like this in his vision. 
And he believed that God gave him the Persian Empire. And because of that, he refused to harm the Jadua and the Jews. This is a part of written history. This is Josephus, the same one that wrote the Maccabees and other accounts. You may say, it's incredible. Well, isn't this incredible what we're reading here? I'm not saying yay or nay. I'm just saying this is what the account of Josephus was. This is an incredible his story. His story. This is God working through men to, to achieve his purposes, to achieve his will and decree. And then it says, and after this kingdom, after the Greeks, if you will, after this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful, terrible, strong exceedingly, and he had great iron teeth. It devoured and broke in pieces and stamped the residue of the feet of it, and it was diverse, different from all the other beasts. This is very much similar and in parallel with chapter 2 of, of, of Daniel, the one that, that, that Nebuchadnezzar had, the, the, the dream, and the, the dream and the visions that Daniel had now. They're one for one, parallel. And then again, he said, I considered... He dwelt on the horns. This is something new to him, like he couldn't figure this out. And he grieved about it in, the next, in chapter 15, I believe. It troubled him. In, in verse 15, should I say. It troubled him. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn. This, this, this beast had ten horns. Ten horns. You go to the book of Revelation, this beast had... Seven heads and ten horns. This one little horn. I believe that's what he was trying to say. I considered the horns, and behold, there came among them a little horn, before whom were three of the first horns, plucked up by the roots, and behold, this horn were, had, as it were, the eyes of a man. This horn had, as it were, the eyes of a man, speaking great things, just blaspheming, I believe. He was speaking these great things. What great things? Anything that is, is a lie, anything that will deceive the nations, anything that is against God, these were, I believe, these great things. And I beheld till the thrones were cast down. I think the better translation here, until the thrones were set in place. The thrones were set in place, and the ancients of days did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. Now the word wheels, you'll see that in, in the book of Ezekiel. Just a, a really uh, fantastic, if I can say, dream or vision that Ezekiel had. He saw the these, these chariots with wheels going back and forth, back and forth, and spinning wheels. And, and it was something that Ezekiel was given to by God. And he saw this throne with his wheels. I'm not sure if that means a different word now, but that's what it says. And a fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. There were thousand thousands that ministered unto him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. And the judgment was set. 
the judgment was set and the books were opened. This is, this is parallel to what we read in Revelation chapter 20. Parallel to what we read in Revelation chapter 20. Matthew 25 pictures the same thing. The, when the Son of Man comes again, when he judges the world, there's going to be all multitudes of all races and there's going to be a, a time when, when Christ will separate the sheep from the goats. This is a judgment. And every man will be judged according to his works. He says the judgment was set and the books were opened. Just like Revelation 20. This is why Daniel is a key to the revelation. This is where the visions came. You know, God could do anything. But the Holy Spirit will remind us of the words that he spoke to us, that Jesus spoke to us, whether it's through, through the word or whether it's through preaching or whether there's a revelation that they are given, like Paul received revelations from God, like John received revelations from God. But when we have this in our minds, the Holy Spirit will remind us and give us more understanding and more wisdom, wisdom and, and visions which apparently Daniel had and John, the revelator, had. And the books were opened. And I beheld, because of the voice of the great words which the horn spake, because of the blasphemies of which this little horn spoke, I beheld till the beast was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning fire. And you can read in the book of Revelation that the beast, that's what his name is, that's his title is, he's the beast. The Antichrist, the the man of perdition, First Thess 2 Thessalonians 2 says. He's the man of sin. He's the deceiver of the world. He's the one that is the father of lies, that, that obeys the father of lies. He will be cast into the, into the lake of fire, which burns forever and ever. Jesus called it Gehenna fire, Gehinnom. The Valley of Hinnom, where, they, where the metaphor was of the garbage dump outside of Jerusalem, where they burned all their trash, all their rubbish. They burnt it there, where Jesus said that the smoke is not quenched, the fire is not quenched, and, and the worm doesn't die. It goes on forever and forever and forever. Daniel had this vision. Daniel could see this. Daniel could see the victory and the triumph of God while he was still yet in captivity. Verse 13, I saw in the night visions and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days and they brought him near before him. One like the Son of Man coming in the clouds where do we see that? We see that in Matthew 24 when Jesus was saying, and then the Son of Man shall come in the clouds. When he said that to the Jews, you will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds when they say, are you the Christ? They adjured him, tell us if you be Christ, the Son of God. 
And he says, you're going to see a time when the Son of Man will come in the clouds in great glory. And for that, they accused him of blasphemy and they led him to crucifixion. Now this Son of Man comes before the Ancient of Days. In Daniel, it's very clear that the Ancient of Days is God. Because the Son of Man comes now to the Ancient of Days. But it's very peculiar because a very similar description of God here in chapter 7 of Daniel is given in, in, in Revelation chapter 1 where John saw the Christ in a vision and saw this same image or similar image of one with had white hair and a sword coming through his mouth and fire. And is it a surprise to us? Is it a surprise that Jesus Christ, according to Hebrews chapter 1, says that he is the very image of God? Let me read that. This is why the, the scriptures are so coherent. When you hear, when you, you know, when you, when you get all these lies, especially today with the, with the internet source, and these so-called facts are being shot th- from every direction. You hear this quote-unquote fact, and this fact, and this fact, and this fact. Are they coherent? Do they stick? Do they make sense? Well, the Bible has all these assertions which we believe are truth and they're coherent. They stick together. The story makes so much sense and reveals the the evil and the sin that is so prevalent in this world. In chapter 1 of Hebrews it says, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spoken to us in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom he hath made the world, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, and he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Unto which of the angels, there are a lot of angels in these chapters we've been reading in Daniel and in Revelation, who being made so much better than the angels, said, at, said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Again I will be to him a father, and he shall be to him a son. And again, when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world he saith and let and let all the angels of god worship him if you're not god you cannot be worshiped jesus christ is the second person of the trinity the same essence and nature of god and he had to be worshiped and then he says and of the angels he saith who maketh his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire but unto the son he saith thy throne O God is forever and ever a scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom this is the God that we serve and so the son God the son comes and 
before the ancient of days, and there was given to him, verse 14 of Daniel 7, dominion and glory and a kingdom and all people, nations, languages should serve him. The dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom which shall not be destroyed. This is the same kingdom was that Daniel uh, interpreted for Nebuchadnezzar in his dream of chapter 2. This great big boulder comes from outer space, hurled down and at, the, at the feet of the statue and smashes the image to pieces. And his kingdom filled the earth. And this was possible only by the fact that Jesus Christ, the king of the kingdom, came to earth, God with us, gave himself as a sacrifice for our sins, shed his blood, died on the cross, was buried, and after three days, he was victorious over death, over sin, and over hell. This is, this is a story of hope. This is a, a story of extreme joy for those that accept what is offered to, to us. His Son, His blood, His Holy Spirit to be a part of this awesome kingdom of God, which doesn't come by observation, but is within us, the kingdom of our God and of his Christ. My dear friends, this is not some amazing text for a, holiday, a Hollywood movie. That's what many people say. This is, this is the meat of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the victor over evil. Jesus Christ is the victor over flesh. Jesus Christ is the victor over our sin. And he wants us to have it, this victory. We just have to respond. Are we going to respond like Nebuchadnezzar and confess and admit that God is not, doesn't only rule in the kingdom of, of heaven, but in the kingdom of men? Or are we going to try to live it up with all our princes and have feasts and reveling and parties and enjoy max life to what we consider to be the max? And in the end, we die in a puddle of blood this is amazing this, this is coherent the story of salvation is so coherent from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22 the thread of blood is right through all the scriptures it's pointed to us through the offerings made in the temple and the tabernacle it's pointed to us through what happened to Jesus Christ on the cross and we have a choice. We have a choice to accept it 
or to reject it. To him be the glory evermore. Amen. I just hope and pray that every one of us will realize that we as believers are part of something big, something awesome. Would you like to be part of that throng, that heavenly throng that we learned about in Revelation? 10,000 times 10,000. From every nation, from every tribe, from every climb as we sing in 320, all hail the power of Jesus' name. Would you want to be part of that? Something that is not shallow and fickle and wasteful and in the end is thrown into the lake of fire. What an awesome, as we sing, what a day that will be. When my Jesus I shall see when I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. John says that perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. Jesus loves us, God loves us, but when we love him with all our hearts, it's perfect love. And we'll have no fear, as we sang in our choir program many years ago, have no more fear of dying, no more fear of leaving this earth, but being with the one who died for me. Which will you choose today? May the Lord bless his word to him be the glory evermore. Amen. This concludes our service.